Welcome to Mad Toast Live, recorded in front of a live audience. We're at the Brink Lounge, 701 East Washington Avenue, right down the hill from the Capitol Building in Madison, Wisconsin. We're your hosts, I'm Mary Gaines, and this is Chris Wagoner. Thank you all for coming tonight. We are thrilled to be here with Joe Jenks. Chicago, there were storm clouds above. Headed for the city of brotherly love. Ain't no time for misery, and there ain't no time for pain. Just the humming of the engine and the music running through my veins. You know we got to shine, 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 shine that light. Can't keep it buried deep within. Go to need it on the darkest night. You know we got to shine, 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 shine that light. Brother heard the calling of the highway. Dancing in his head You know he died way too young But I remember what he said He said, sometimes you throw the dice And you just gotta take your lot But you hold on to the things you love And you give them everything you got You know we got to shine, shine, shine Shine that light Can't keep it buried deep within Gonna need it on the darkest night You know we got to shine, shine, shine Shine that light Everybody has a reason That will make them fight the good fight Something they were born to give That'll make everything all right You know we got to shine, shine, shine Shine that light Can't keep it buried deep within Gonna need it on the darkest night You know we got to shine, shine, shine Shine that light Gonna need it on the darkest night You know we got to shine, shine, shine Shine that light Don't you know we got to shine, shine, shine Shine that light Don't you know, don't you know We got to shine, shine, shine Shine that light Shine the ever-loving, ever-loving Shine, shine, shine Shine that light Thank you. Hey, Joe. Thank you. 
Hey, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, totally my pleasure. Yeah. Totally my pleasure, Chris. So you all in the audience know Joe. That's why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> so for, for those out in the, in, in the listening audience, um, you're based right now in, in Evanston, Illinois, right? That's correct. Okay. And yeah. Seattle and, and roundabout Ohio and various places? Yeah, I grew up in Rockford, Illinois. Oh, okay. Actually, so I, I grew that. up not too far from here. <laughs> and, um, and then I decided I wanted to get as far away from Rockford, Illinois as I could get and still be in the contiguous 48. Yeah. Um, had I known how cool Madison was, I might have just gone north. But I, I didn't know that Madison was like Seattle, only two hours away. Uh, and I think two hours away would have felt just too close to the vortex of my hometown, uh, even had I known how cool Madison was at the time. So I moved to Seattle. It was either Seattle or Boston, and I you know, ended up out in Seattle mostly because of the mountains. I thought, well, you know, if the music thing doesn't take off, at least I'm living in a beautiful place. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I really, you know, I mean, you, you got to plan ahead as an artist. You got to think, yeah. well, I have all these visions of the things I want to do, but what if those, those things don't come true? Then, then I'm stuck living somewhere. And I thought, where would I not mind being stuck li living? And I, I thought, Seattle, I could handle that. That's a, that's a good way to look at it. So, so when all your travels, so you're, you're touring all the time. Um, you've actually been on the road for the last nine years or so? Yeah, 11, oh actually, full-time. Yeah. yeah. So in yeah. all those travels, you ever you, you come across places that uh, you feel that way about? Like, oh, all the like, time. Yeah, there's all yeah. kinds of places. Austin's a great city. I, yeah. you know, there's a bunch of places out east that are great. But for me, Seattle is kind of the home of my heart. There's something yeah. about the, the, the natural splendor there that's still really settles into my heart and, and it's very inspiring. I was probably the most prolific I have ever been as a writer when I lived in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Well, that's important. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We're talking to a, friend, uh, a close friend of ours who's a songwriter and he's very happy, happily in a, in a great relationship now. But and he's kind of bummed because now he doesn't know uh, what he's going to write about. <laughs> oh, there's so much great stuff to write about. I, like, I flat out did yeah. not write love songs for years because I was just so tired of everybody's whining. And, um, you know, I, I mean, you, there are so many great things to write about, including what's yeah. going on in Madison right now. That's you right. You know, like the, yeah. the whole... Yes. You know, I mean, there's democratic revolutions happening in some of the most unexpected places. You know, we got stuff going on in North Africa and the Middle East and Wisconsin. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. This yeah. uh, the, the, the plays right into it. Pete Seeger, the great quote, if you don't mind me embarrassing uh, you. Go ahead. On. Pete Seeger says this about Joe. He says, the key to the future is people joining in. The music of Joe Jenks captures this essential spirit. Joe is a fantastic singer who carries on their traditions. What's your connection with, with uh, Pete? Well, when I was uh, about 10 years old, one of my older sisters uh, recognized that I was getting pretty serious with acoustic music. And she brought home uh, a double disc live album, Pete and Arlo, recorded at Carnegie Hall. And it changed the course of my life. I was steeped in traditional Irish music and have dual citizenship. Uh, U.S. Irish citizenship is very much a part of my family history. And so folk music meant a particular thing to me. And then Pete Seeger came into the house via this album, double-disc album. Uh, and it changed the direction of my life, literally. Um, and I, it was kind of my sort of aspiration and hope to someday meet Pete and yeah. you know, have an opportunity to thank him for the gift that he had given me as a young musician. Uh, and I ended up performing with him a few times uh, through the context of various labor and social right. justice events and 
got to know him a little bit, had some great conversations with him. And uh, yeah, he's just uh, a marvelous and very humble and approachable man. Yeah, we've, yeah. we've met a lot of, well, several of the songwriters have been on the show that have had some brushes. Some around, and, you know. they live in the same town he does. And apparently, weekly or daily, he goes out on the highway with a sign that says, peace. Yeah, just that. It's kind of beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And he doesn't invite any of the paparazzi. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's a very humble guy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's great. And uh, I sent him one of a labor album that I released several years ago. Um, he, uh, Holly Near had been kind enough to write something nice about it. And uh, he circled what Holly Near wrote and put in quotes below it. Say, Pete Seeger says, me too, what Holly said. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, that's very kind, Pete, but, you know, uh, something a little more, you know, you quotable yeah. might be helpful. You know? yeah. <laughs> Ditto, Pete Seeger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. And, uh, but, yeah, he's just, he's, uh, you know, my own father died when I was 19, uh, and I did not know either of my grandfathers. And so, for me, Pete has kind of been an artistic grandfather. He's yeah. been someone that has, by example and in person, um, help me understand the ways in which music can really have a powerful and positive impact in the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hey, can we break with what we talked about before? Would you mind playing another tune and then we can talk a little bit more? Yeah. All right. This is, uh, well, this is a song many of you will know. It was uh, written in 19, uh, 1929, 1930 by Earl Robinson and Alfred Hayes, um, made popular by Paul Robeson, uh, but I think it's quite timely even still. I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night Alive as you and me Says I'm a Joe, you're ten years dead I never died, says he I never died, says he Salt Lake Joe, I says to him, standing by my bed, they frame you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I ain't dead, says Joe, but I ain't dead. Copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe. I did not die, says Joe. I did not die. So when an er- when Earl and uh, Alfred wrote this song, it was in the wake of the stock market crash. The people who were responsible for steering the ship of finance in this country had fallen asleep at the wheel. Many Americans, many people around the world found themselves in hard times. Feel free to stop me when this starts to sound familiar in some way. Joe Hill had been dead only about 15 years at the time. He was not so much a historic 
figure is a contemporary one. And the song was considered so controversial by the publishers that they were, the authors, the songwriters were not allowed to officially copyright it until eight years after they had written it. The publisher sat on it, but they of course leaked it to various artists of the day, including Paul Robeson. When Joe Hill was on death row out in Utah in 1914, 1915, a young radical from Wichita, Kansas, named Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, decided she was gonna travel out to Salt Lake City to bid farewell to her mentor and hero, Joe Hill. Joe Hill had come to this country as Joseph Hillstrom from Sweden. He had his mind set on visions of fortune and prosperity. But when he got to this country, he realized that it was not unilaterally welcoming to immigrants and uh, that he was going to have his work cut out for him. So Joe started traveling on the migrant labor circuit. They would work the logging camps in the north in the summertime. They'd follow the harvest south in the winter. They'd work in the mining camps in the southern mountain towns. And then they'd follow the planting season back north and work the logging camps again all summer. Some people called them drifters and bums, but they were very proud, proud, independent people who worked for a living and were proud of the work that they did. And they organized. They organized in a union called the IWW, the Industrial Workers of the World, the Wobblies, one of the most radical labor unions ever to exist. The Wobblies' motto was the OBU, One Big Union. They believed that if all workers were part of one big union, that they could go on strike together. And they wouldn't have to go on strike for weeks or months or even days. They'd just go out on strike for one day and shut the world down for one day to remind people that capital and labor have to be in partnership. Capital without labor can accomplish nothing. Labor without capital stands a better chance, but nonetheless, they do need to be in partnership. So this was the value system that Joe espoused and what got him in trouble because he was trying to organize out in Utah, organize the mine workers and the logging camp workers. They framed him on a murder charge, put him on death row. A young Elizabeth Gurley Flynn, who was part of the team that published the IWW's newsletter. She traveled out to Salt Lake City to say goodbye to her hero. Joe did two things for her. He wrote a song that lives on forever, a song called Rebel Girl. And then as he was saying goodbye, her eyes filled up with tears. She was so sad. She said, Joe, what are we going to do without you? How will the movement continue? And Joe said three simple words to her that live on. Three simple words that are on bumper stickers and t-shirts and posters and keychains. Three simple words that have traveled all over the world. He said to her, don't mourn, organize. Standing there as big as life Smiling with his eyes Says Joe what they could never kill Went on to organize 
went on to organize Joe Hill ain't dead he says to me Joe Hill ain't never died where workers stand up for their rights Joe Hill is by their side Joe Hill by their side From San Diego up to Maine In every mine and mill Where workers strike and organize It's there you'll find Joe Hill It's there you'll find Joe Know it, please sing with me. I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night. I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night. Alive as you and me. Says I would show your ten years dead. I never died, says he. I never died, says he. Ever died, says he. Ever died, says he. Excellent. Very timely. And when you're playing at coffee houses versus Carnegie Hall, <laughs> how different an audience is that? I mean, just, you know, size of audience aside. Well, uh, when I played at Carnegie Hall, it was very different because I was playing all for New York City school kids. Okay. And um, I was really excited about it because, of course, when I was 10 years old, I got this album of Pete Seeger playing at Carnegie Hall. And never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that I would have the opportunity to be at Carnegie Hall and sing this kind of music. And when I got the call from the children's programming director, the Scholastic Programming Director, about doing this, it was a, a partnered concert. We did two shows a day for five days, ten, ten concerts, and it was myself representing folk traditions yeah. uh, and a Chinese opera singer and her pipa player uh, <laughs> doing very traditional classical yeah. Chinese music. Uh, and a Cuban jazz quartet. Uh, and, and so we just did this amazing show for young people twice a day for five days. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, I was terrified like the first couple of shows, the first day. And by the second day, we were all having fun and we would sit in with each other in a lot of numbers. And I'm telling you, that Cuban band did the best version of Guantanamera you have ever heard. <laughs> Unbelievable. And he was so respectful, the, the guy who was the band leader, you know, because he says... Uh, he says, uh, you know, we're doing Guantanamera, and you might know it, and you're welcome to play with us. And he said, but we played a little bit differently in Cuba. And they do. So it's much more peppy and, and interesting, and the, the, the rhythm pulses differently. And he says, yes, uh, an American folk singer came to Cuba once upon a time, and he brought this back, uh, back to the States. But we think he forgot some part of it as he brought it back, because it never quite sounded right to us over here. And he was so diplomatic. You know, he didn't want to make hamburgers out of my sacred cows. And he knew yeah. that, you know, Pete Seeger meant a great 
great deal to me. But it, yeah, basically he was saying, yeah, the old guy with the banjo, he didn't get it right. Here's, here's, here's <laughs> how you play Juan you know. <laughs> I'm writing down making hamburgers out of my sacred cows. I like that. I've heard that before. It's very nice. Like That's a good that. bumper sticker. Um, Links in a Chain, your most recent CD, right? Um, Phil Oaks and Bob Gibson. Um, so a couple, couple songs by some of your mentors on here, including the, the, those. Yeah, yeah, Phil Oaks Bracero and uh, Bob Gibson's yeah. song, Let the Band Play Dixie. Bob Gibson was someone who also had a huge influence on my life. Yeah, you can clap for Bob Gibson. Yeah. He was fantastic. <laughs> it's an amazing performer. I thought Bob was here, maybe. He was clapping up there. Um, so that's available on the website. And you can go to joejenks.com. Uh, Jenks is J-E-N-C-K-S. JoeJenks.com. Um, one last thing, we'll let you play here. I wanted to ask about this, this beautiful thing you wrote on your website. Um, talking about Auld Lang Syne. The lyrics to that, the original lyrics, and uh, in reference to Utah Phillips' radio show, The Long Memory. And what this yeah, is well, Utah was uh, another mentor of mine, and a marvelous, marvelous human being, Utah used to tell me things and many people. He befriended many people of my generation and helped us find our way into politicized music. Uh, but he, he always used to say, never let the facts interfere with the truth. Um, you know, that, that there really, there, there is fundamental truth out there and the facts may sometimes get in the way of it. So as a storyteller, your job is to focus on the truth. And if a little hyperbole or a little omission helps you get to the truth more efficiently, um, that's your job to celebrate the truth rather than the, the, the facts. That's a journalist's job. Your, your job is journalistic, but it's also to be the speaker of the truth. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, um, you know, Utah just always had great wisdom to share, but one of his isms was that the greatest weapon in American politics is a long memory. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and this is interesting, you know, because of course one of Ronald Reagan's platforms uh, was that he wanted to get um, not just defense satellites, but mm -hmm. communications satellites in orbit all over the planet so that people, the, the communications networks would be accessible to people in the third world. Mm -hmm. Because if they had free, transparent communication, um, free as in accessible, not as in right. free without monetary benefit, but uh, free communication, that um, they would see better ways to live and they would pursue that in earnest. And that's exactly what we're seeing in North Africa and in the Middle East, as mm -hmm. people are texting and tweeting and, you know, <laughs> communicating via cellular networks. And... Um, you know, the, the modern conservative movement really loves to celebrate Ronald Reagan, but they're telling us that this democratic movement in the Middle East is a horrible thing, it's dangerous, it shouldn't be happening. And I think this is what Ronald Reagan wanted. He wanted democratic revolution all over the planet. And uh, it's just, the, the, this is a case of the conservative sort of agenda having a very short-term memory. And they count on the American public having a short-term memory and forgetting yeah. what happened in the 80s or why it happened. Right. Mm -hmm. So Utah just really believed that a long memory is a great thing. You know, they'll, they'll try and do the bait and switch and they'll celebrate people as heroes that shouldn't be in there. They'll vilify people that actually were heroes. And it's up to us to remember that truth and celebrate it. And part of that is, is doing what you do. It's telling the story over and over again and telling and people learning songs, right? I mean, so it, go, it goes back to old school, kind of. We're so used to these sound bites now, you know, the quick snips, when really, ideally, this communication is you know, keeping this stuff alive is still the oral tradition in many ways. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The oral tradition is 
is one of the places where the you know they talk about the folk process or the way in which yeah. songs evolve and change over the years, but um, it, it, there is some kernel of truth that remains present in it. The the, the old folk song, the Red River Valley. The, that song details and that song have changed over the years, but the, the, the fundamental quintessential piece of that song is this longing, is yeah. someone who is leaving and this sense of longing. And um, that song was written around 1900. It was not an old folk song. It was written by somebody in Tin Pan Alley for a, a musical review of some sort. But it took off like wildfire, and there are all over the world, there are people that sing Red River Valley as the Yellow River Valley or the Green River Valley or the, you know, it's like, it's just been changed because there is some fundamental truth in that song that speaks to people no matter where they are. Well, I, I, was, I was touched also by your, your challenge to, for people to record their elders' stories. It's a wonderful thing. My mother's from Germany, and she grew up during the Depression under Hitler, Wow. Right? And she was a little yeah. girl, and she has just incredible stories and things that every time we go down, there's something new. So, really? I didn't know. Uh, but to hear from her, someone's like that's perspective, you know, it, it, the, the history books may be telling the truth, whatever, but to hear firsthand like that is something that, can't, that shouldn't be lost. And we haven't quite figured out how to sneak a mic in there <laughs> yeah. without her knowing, because she clams up if she sees a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it really is important. Should old acquaintance be forgot or never brought to mind? Um, I never really understood what that meant until I started having elders in my life lose their memory. And it was up to me, up to us, to be the memory, to take these stories and pass them forward. And, you know, like, how do you know if you've forgotten something, if you've forgotten it? You know, uh, how do you know? Um, you know, m one of my aunts is wrestling a little bit with memory loss, and she said something that she was a scientist and had this brilliant mind, but she said, I, I feel like a squirrel who buried his nuts for the winter and then forgot where he buried them. <laughs> so I thought, you know, incredible analytical comment about the process of losing memory. And uh, so on, on that note, I'd love yes. to play a song that, that sort of pertains to that. Mr. Joe Jenks. I assume you can edit out excessive tuning for the podcast. Well, I thought I was going somewhere here, and then we got in the talk about memory in this song called Links in the Chain. Summer morning, front porch swing, a tear in grandmother's eye, telling me tales of my mother's childhood, how they got by. Years of war, years of depression, they barely made it through. She smiles at me and says that wisdom, let it carry on in you. Links in a chain unbroken Words of a prayer unspoken Visible hands reaching through time We each have a piece of the story Channel sharing the glory And a chance to pass it along For those who read 
me things in the chain girls got cookies pta baseball games in the yard potlucks in the parish hall my parents worked so hard now it's a marble stone on the edge of town where we bow our heads and sing 40 years seven children and some well-worn wedding rings links in a chain unbroken words of a prayer unspoken invisible hands reaching through time we each have a of the story each have a share in the glory and a chance to pass it along for those who remain things in the chain cooking a meal setting a place washing our hands saying our grace Remembering those who gathered before us Teaching a child, turning a page Singing a song, standing on stage Adding our part to the chorus Links in a chain unbroken Words of a prayer unspoken hands reaching through time we each have a piece of the story each have a share in the glory and a chance to pass it along for those who remain things in the I'd said I gave up writing love songs for years, but I, I do occasionally write one. And uh, I'll share one of those with you. A song called Love is the Reason. On the other hand, you could say every song is a love song, because if you didn't love it, why write about it?
There was a time when all I ever needed was your smile to drive away my rain. But now it seems that hopeful light is hiding behind a cloud of anger and pain. I thought everything I was looking for was right here within my reach. I think it's time we finally take our chances. Let our hearts speak louder than our fear because love is all I ever wanted. Love is the reason I'm still here. Well, the sage said to the fisherman on the boat, cast your nets on the other side. And with nothing short of astonishment on their faces, they said, don't you think we tried? What if everything you're looking for Is right there within your reach I think it's time we finally take our chances Let our hearts speak louder than our fear Because love is
Thank you. I'd love to invite Kim and Reggie Harris out to sing one more song with me, and then we'll uh, bring them up for a set. Um, a song called Rise is One. Please welcome Kim and Reggie Harris. So I wrote this uh, several years ago for some school workers in northern Ohio, but it seems pretty fitting for all kinds of workers in Wisconsin right about now. Afraid. 
But the call went out to every other union in the state And somehow all the workers' bills were paid You see, this isn't just our struggle And it isn't just our jobs And it isn't just the schools within our town when we dare to raise our voice in solidarity we stand With every other work all the world around We'll never give up, let me hear you We will never give up We will never give in And we'll never ever go away Build a brand new future We will build a brand new future daughters and our sons we will work till the workers rise as That's more than half our town And after that you know things couldn't be the same Well, whoever would have guessed it When this whole thing began We'd have the strength to hold out for so long But three months have now gone by And the school board just gave in on their demands now we can sing our victory song we'll never give up sing it with us we will never give up we will never give in and we'll never ever grow away build a brand new future we will build a brand new future for our daughters and our sons we will work to Never give up. We will never give up. We will never give in. And we'll never ever go away. We will build a brand new future for our daughters and our sons. We will work till the workers rise as one. We will build a brand new for our daughters and our sons We will work till the workers rise as one Thank you so much. We'll be back. Uh, Kim and Reggie are going to do a set now and then... Uh, We'll be back and do a set together. All right. Thank you, Mr. Joe Jenks. Thank you very much. Joe Jenks. Joe, J-O-E-J-E-N-C-K-S. Joe Jenks, uh, joined by Kim and Reggie Harris. Thank you all for listening. You can listen to all of our past episodes at madtoastlive.com. 
Special thanks to Mr. Andy LaValle, Bear Sound, Andrew Wendorf, our audio intern. Thanks to Mr. Tom Klein at the ticket sales. And thanks to WORT HD 89.9 on the FM dial. And the Brink Lounge. And thank you all for listening.